Straw Hut Media. Hi, Brandy. All right, I'm going to invite them in. You look so awesome. Look at you. You look like you're ready to run a meeting. <laughs> I'm definitely not. From Straw Hut Media. This is Brandy Glanville on the film. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Brandy Glanville Unfiltered. Today on my show, I have um, famous divorce attorney, Drawer Bacall, and he is going to be filling us in on all things divorce. And I've only done it once, so I feel like I know it all, but I'm about to find out I don't. Um, and you guys are probably going to need this after a year together in quarantine. Just some advice. You might want to write some stuff down, but let's get into it. He has all the answers and I want to know them. Um, so getting, uh, I have so many questions for you. Sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. First of all, I mean, you have a lot of celebrity clients and you're based out of New York, but right. do clients come to you from LA as well? Like, do they hire you from LA? Yeah, we, we've represented some clients um, based out of LA over the years. Um, and it's usually people that reside both in LA and New York. And so they're they're trying to resolve property disputes and maybe right. some custody issues as well, as well in both locations. But if you're, if you're gonna go to court in Los Angeles, then that would require a local attorney. Um, yeah, like um, Neil Hirsch, fucking asshole. <laughs> He was my ex-husband. Oh, oh, there you go. Ex-husband, yeah, attorney, and I didn't get anything. So I, I, I definitely picked the worst attorney. But is this the same in New York? So my ex-husband called all of the attorney, all of the good attorneys, that just to call and set up meetings, so that when I called, they're like, it's a conflict of interest. And so it's. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's it. I mean, is yeah, it yeah, yeah, it's it's a really sleazy thing to do. And and to tell you the truth, the it's hard for us as attorneys to know whether people are actually trying to do that. You know, yeah. like somebody comes in and they reveal, con- you know, information that is confidential about their lives, their marriage, their assets. And we don't know whether they're using us to conflict us out. Or right. they're being honest with us, and and truthfully, it's it's you know it's not a nice thing to do, but it works. I uh, mean, I think that divorce definitely brings out the worst in people. I know it, it wasn't I, I wasn't my best self during my divorce because I was so angry and and I felt so um, I just it, it was the worst time. I was the worst human being that I could be during that because yeah. you know to think that someone that you love so much could then want to go through the house and say, you get this, you get this. You know what I mean? It's just so crazy. You know, it's it's the the courts are across the street from where you can get your marriage license. And so you sit there and people look and say, you know, we were across the street some time ago in love, getting married, looking at each other's eyes, talking about our life together. How did we get from there to here? And it's it's a journey of, you know, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of miscommunication, um, a lot of anger over a period of time. And that's that's what happens. 
And, you know, I don't know if, I, I won't say all attorneys are this way, but I've had, you know, I've had plenty of attorneys in my life for different things, but it almost seems like sometimes the attorneys want the fighting to go on because that way they can keep the billing cycle going on. And I mean, it's just, it's a vicious circle. Like I saw my attorney having lunch with his attorney, like laughing. And I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me, that's, those, those are great, great points. And those are things that people ask us all the time. Like, isn't it in your interest as an attorney for the transaction of the divorce to be longer and to be more contentious because you'll make more money. And the truth is, yes, it is. Yeah. But, but if you look at it in a different way, which is try to make your clients happy, right? We're in the service business. So if making the clients happy means fighting to the bitter end, then that's what we do. If making the clients happy means resolving it expeditiously without a lot of acrimony and a lot of cost, then we'll do that too. And the client will be happy and hopefully think of us in the future if they are a friend or a family member need us. So. You know, the, our philosophy is to is to just try to make people happy. It tends to work out, but you're you're absolutely right. I mean, the longer the transaction, the, the more. more but I mean, just, when people are mad, they want to they want to keep fighting. So I mean, if that's what they want, you have to do it. So I don't I don't blame the lawyers for that. Yeah. But yeah. I my brother right now is actually going through a divorce, and I was able to kind of mediate between my sister in law and my brother and say, listen, you guys don't have a lot of money in the first place. Why go get expensive attorneys and fight over shit you don't have and yeah, then be yeah. in debt? So they are actually, they're going, they're, they have a mediator and they're doing such a good job. The beginning was rough because I had to like, I just had to intervene. I'm like, you guys, I spent, you know, a quarter of a million dollars in my divorce and I ended up with nothing because we spent it all. And I yeah. said, you guys don't have that. So, but I think at the same time, you know, California is a no-fault state. I don't know what, what New York is. No fault. Yeah, yeah. Is it? No fault. Yeah. yeah. Not We weren't always. I think six, seven, eight years ago, they changed the law. But now we're no fault. Yeah. Um, I said, it doesn't matter who cheated or who did what. I'm like, it no. no judge is going to say, okay, you you deserve this because he's an asshole. Yeah, yeah. Um, no. But there are states that, that which, do you know the states that are fault states? There's there's very few, one or two. I'm not recalling which ones, but there are very few. And the truth is the fault states, they'll find fault with a very low threshold. So it, it, even if it's on the books, it's it's not really an issue. I mean, we're a country where people can get divorced if they want to. But, right. you know, to your point about mediation, Mediation is wonderful. And, and, you know, it's good that your brother is doing it and, and it'll save him money. You're 100% right. One of the dangers of mediation is that if you have a power imbalance in the marriage where you have one party is controlling the other and it's often done and this is a total stereotype and there's more holes in the cheese than cheese, but I'm just going <laughs> to say it anyway. The men control the money, the women control the kids. Now, yep. that's not every relationship, of course. But if you're trying to uh, resolve, I'm just going to say financial issues, and you have Wall Street guys who are turning the screws and hiding and not fully disclosing, they're going to do the same in mediation. Right. So, you know, that's where you got to be careful with the mediation, with the, you know, the mediators right. have to really step in. Um, so. I feel like 
oh gosh, there's so many things that I would do differently if if I if I knew now. Um, like what? So like what? I didn't have a prenup, and right. everyone's like, "You're so lucky you didn't have a prenup." I'm like, actually. I probably would have ended up with a lot more if I had one. So people automatically think that prenups are a, are like a great thing. What, what's your what's your or a bad thing or you know I don't want to sign one. What is your take on a prenup? Well, it's not. They're not very romantic. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I yes. mean, it's, it's a little bit of a weird thing to negotiate. You know when you're trying to build a life together, this arm's length business deal. But the truth is, um, I do think that that in certain circumstances, prenups are smart. So if you get a couple that are in their 20s and it's their first marriage, what, you know, what do you need a prenup for? You know, um, maybe if one side has a lot of family money and and, you know, they want to protect the family money, but they can do that other ways without a prenup. So, um, and there's problems with that, which I can, you know, I can get into the weeds of, but, you know, the young people, first marriage, what's, I, I just don't see the point of it. If, you know, it's your second marriage, you have kids, you've been through this before, you have savings, you have a brand, you have a business. Well, that's a different story. I think in that situation, people in their 30s or 40s or older, you know, you don't want to fight. You don't want any problems with lawyers and courts, situations like that. I do think a prenup is smart just to have peace of mind. Yeah. And, and what is, what is, um, a lot of people talk about getting a post nup. What exactly does that, I mean, I know what it it's, means kind it, of, but. Yeah. 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 Well, a postnuptial agreement and, you know, we had a case where, there was like six postnuptial agreements, like the weirdest thing. Um, but it's people who um, are married and then enter into an agreement after they're married. So if you, the word nuptial associate with the word marriage. So pre-marriage, it's pre-nup, post-marriage, post-nup. And so it's just an agreement after the marriage that talks about what happens in a divorce. And, you know, if people, let's say they buy a property, they want to address how that property will be disposed on a divorce, they'll do a post-nup. They buy another property, another post-nup. You know, it's that they can just go on and on and on, change the terms. It's, it's that kind of thing. Some people say like, oh, I have an ironclad prenup. Is it, can, I mean, can prenups kind of be broken if, if um, things change? Like, let's say they came into a lot of money and, and it's not the same as it was when they first met and got married. Yeah. So the, um, the, the prenuptial agreements, if they're negotiated and signed properly, are enforceable. Unless there's some sort of fraud or duress, like undue pressure eve of marriage if you don't sign this and you don't have a lawyer and you know that kind of thing bullying yeah you know it'll be enforceable um the the one exception is if there's something just truly unconscionable about it so let's just say you know each party gets their own you know keeps their own assets they don't have much but then the husband earns a lot during the marriage it's his according to the prenup, but if they get a divorce, the wife doesn't get anything. They have three kids. She can't afford her own home. 
you know, she's going to have to move far away from the children. Like that kind of thing's not going to fly. So it can't be something that is like crazy hurting somebody. Um, but otherwise, if it was done correctly by the lawyers, it'll be enforceable. Oh, I, I just wish that I had one so that I would, I, knew, I would know that I would get something at the end. I mean, I, I never thought I would get a divorce. It wasn't like, you know, my parents yeah. are still married to this day. Yeah. I don't yeah. think you ever go into a marriage thinking you're going to get a divorce. Yeah. That would be sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like, I, I would have at least known, I tell all my friends, I'm like, get a prenup, get a prenup. I would have at least known I would get something. Well, it depends what the prenup says. I mean, you know, if your ex-husband is a lawyer and the prenup says, you know, my law practice is mine um, or my brand or my business or whatever it is and all the income I earn from my business is going to, during the marriage is going to be mine, then the other spouse doesn't get anything. It really depends what the prenup says. Oh. And then you got to negotiate that all before you get married. And you got to do it in plenty of time before the wedding. You can't do it right at the bitter end. It's not going to fly. So, you know, it's it's very complicated, these prenups. Um, But, you know, in, in... in certain situations, it's worth doing it, for sure. Yeah. Particularly that second time around. You know? <laughs> I won't be doing it again. I'm like, no. once was good. Once was but, enough. Well, uh, I feel like getting out of the marriage was so hard and it was so unhealthy. And it was just, I was literally just so unhappy for two years of my life. Yeah. And like, I would, yeah, I want to be with someone again and like share my home with someone and be in love. But I just don't see the point right now for, to do that all again. Well, it's, it's the, the divorce process is soul crushing, right? It's like you're, you're on the mat. I mean, it's just, it's this thing hanging over you and it's constant upset it's huge stress. You're dealing with lawyers and sometimes judges and your kids and this person that you love. And it's... <laughs> I know, it's, it's, I would say it's all consuming and it, and it yeah. affects every part of your life. And, you know, it's, it yeah. is very difficult. Something that did happen to me and it's happening to one of my girlfriends right now is my ex decided, he decided that we split like six months before I, we were still fully together, living together. He's like, oh no, we split in March. I'm like, we were together until September. I didn't even know you were having an affair. And what, what is, why is that? Well, I mean, the issue, look, the issue of an affair doesn't really matter no, no. so much. You but know, the, the only- why is he saying that we split so much earlier than we did? I think probably to make himself feel better because he was having an affair. So just to say in his mind, I mean, there's no financial consequence to that unless there's a filing for divorce. So that is the point where assets earned start to separate. So that's the consequences of filing. When you guys say you separate and don't separate, I mean, that's of really no consequence. Um, But people say it to make themselves feel better. You know, I told you, you know, and then the affair is not so bad. You know, we were separated and, you know, I kind of hinted really strongly and you should have known. And 
you know, I, thought, I definitely thought there was some financial, no. you know, reason because I'm like, oh, maybe he doesn't want to pay alimony or his child support for longer than he's supposed to. I, because no, I mean, you're still, you're still, you're still living together. Right. Right. You were still, yeah. So, I mean, it was status quo financially and there was no filing. So. So he's just a sociopath. <laughs> I'm just joking. I mean, he sounds, you know, look, he sounds, no, it sounds manipulative. What can I tell you? You know, <laughs> it sounds like he's angling and trying to, you know, angle things his way. And, you know, that's what people do. I mean, men and women. Right. Of course. I mean, I mean we get along fine now. So this okay. was like, this was a decade ago. It took okay. a decade for us to get along fine, but we are, you know, happily co-parenting. One other question. Well, I sure. know the answer, but... Um, a lot of men I find, I don't know if you find this during, like I was the caretaker of the children. Like he didn't change a diaper. I did everything. I, we barely saw him. Um, but then when we split, he wanted 50, 50 custody. And I was like, you don't even know these children. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. was that because he didn't want to pay so much in child support? Well, I mean, you know, so I don't know him personally, but, right. but I will tell you that um, with young kids where mom is a primary caretaker and dad suddenly comes in and is father of the year and wants shared time is a very common thing. And it's very, very hurtful to the mothers. It's kind of like, well, first of all, the children come from you. And there, you know, if you have young children, you know, you see them as vulnerable. Dad is usually, you know, they call dad Disneyland and mom broccoli, right? You're the moms are routine oriented and the dads are TV and pizza. Moms are organic food. You know, that's like typical dynamic. You know, um, it does mean potentially less child support that that the the father would pay. And then there's also with some people, there's also a lot of ego involved. They need to feel like they're equal parents. Um, and having 50% of the time doesn't, doesn't mean you're equal and having less doesn't mean you're not equal. It's the quality of time that you spend with your children that matters. That's what they're going to remember. If you have a night or two less, it doesn't matter if when you're with them, you're really with them. Right. You know, if you have more time and you shuffle them off to a babysitter, then okay, then what's the extra night worth? You know, right. so so I with men and young children, and again, this is a generalization. I mean, yeah, there's well, a lot of kids that are amazing dads. You know, I, I'm just giving you a. There's a lot of this competition. This I need equal. You know what she gets, I get that kind of thing. And for the moms, it's very very hurtful. It's oh, very hard. So hard. It's like you go from like being a 24 seven mom and then you're like empty house. And it's just, yeah. I, I think that was the hardest part for me. And that I, that's why I fought for so long. Cause I wanted, I wanted more custody. Like that was yeah. the biggest issue. Yeah. And there's a difference between little boys and little girls. Do you have boys or girls? I have boys. You have boys. Okay. Because the boys, the fathers and I, you know, I, I the, the fathers do a little bit better with the boys than the girls. Um, because you know, it's harder for us to do the hair and the barrettes and the princess play. And, you know, it's just, is, and, and this is not every father. And it's just like a stereotype, um, where with the boys, you know, we can throw the ball around and get them in little league. And that's, so that's a little easier for us to be honest. Um, 
So, you know, but yeah, I mean, this idea of having shared time with little kids is, uh, you know, is a real, it's a real sticking point. Sometimes it is shared and sometimes it isn't, you know, it really depends on the case. Well, I have a, a very important question to ask you because my eldest son is 17 and a half. Okay. And um, very much like he'll be 18 in six months. Yeah. And I know that child support's supposed to end at 18, but he'll st- I'll still be paying for everything and he'll still be, li- I mean, he wants to go to college, but in the pandemic, I don't know if that's happening next year. I mean, we've applied, but I mean, I'll still be footing the bill for, you know, his everything, but is it for sure done at 18? Yeah. But oh. you're, you, unless there's some, you know, special needs or something, but um, if uh, your, your ex should be a stand up guy though, and help out because the expenses are still there. And, um, you know, in this, you know, pandemic era, jobs, colleges, you know, that's all on hold or remote right. and the parents have to foot the bill for the, for the housing, um, the food costs, you know, the electronics. I mean, that all costs money. Um, so yeah, I mean, your, your ex should, should. I mean, I mean, but legally he doesn't have to, I mean, no. so, and no. can we change that? Can we just put it to a vote? Yeah, 18 is the age. You got oh. to work on the legislature. I think the uh, health insurance does, can be expanded out. Um, and, you know, college has to be paid for. But but the basic child support stops at 18. So, well, yeah. I know, but it's just my kids are giant. They want to eat every two hours. They're, yeah. you know, they yeah. go to private school. They're going to, I mean, it's yeah. just. It's a lot. I mean, yeah. and just yeah. because private school will be ending for high school, colleges. I mean, we have a, we had a a condo that we put into a. I don't know what we put it. It's for their college, so that's paid for. Okay. So that's not something I have to worry about. But you know, well, that's a that's, huge expense, as you know. Right, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. you know, eighty grand a year. Yeah. yeah. No, it's. I mean, that's what we're paying now, and it's yeah. not even college yet. Yeah. So, Tell well, us if you're, that. if you're ex, you know what, if he doesn't want to write a check to you for whatever reason, if he could write a check or at least give some money to your son, maybe yeah. directly so that, you know, just to help your son when he goes out to get something to eat with his friends or just, you know, so you don't have at least that expense, you know, right. um, gas money, something to kind of ease the burden on you, he should do that. That's just being a stand-up parent. It's not a issue of child support. It's just, you know, supporting your children. So tell us something that we, like, that isn't common knowledge about divorce, because I feel like a lot of us my age have been divorced. and I feel like I know too much about it, but there's, I mean, there's some things I don't, like, obviously we don't always know. So what can you tell me that is like, maybe not common knowledge? Well, what I'll tell you this, that the, the divorce court, the judges have a huge amount of discretion on how they can allocate custody and child support. It's not, it's not, there's formulas and, 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 but it's not always set in stone. 
And so different judges handle things differently. And so as attorneys, when clients ask us advice, you know, it's kind of like, and we don't, you know, to be honest, I don't say this to clients, It's but what I'm thinking is what judge and what day of the week. Right. I mean, I, I, I don't know, you know, it depends on what judge you get assigned to and depends on his or her mood that day or, or that week, you know, they, they change their minds a lot. And, you know, it's a very hard job. It's not a criticism, but um, so those, so what, what you think you may get from one judge, you may not get from another. Um, and that's a really, really hard thing to deal with as a practitioner and also as a party going through this, you know, you're, it's, you're it's constantly trying to measure. You know? It's subjective. It's never going to be the same. I mean, you don't know yeah. that we're going to be the same. Yeah. That is difficult. Um, yeah. Yeah. The other question I kind of have, well, I had, which now I just don't care anymore, but there's no, there's no policing a divorce settlement. Like there's, I, you know, I had certain things in my settlement, but he just didn't do it. And well, it was like, well, I mean, and I didn't want to go hire a, a lawyer again yeah. as that was so expensive. But like when you have this divorce decree, like, and you, you're supposed to abide by it. People don't get that. Like I had no, I didn't have a recourse. Like, I'm just like, it's here. It's what we're supposed to do, but there's no policing it. Yeah. So that's unfortunate. So yeah. I mean, people where it's not worth the money, the transaction costs to hire a lawyer to enforce the agreement, then people are just stuck. I mean, and a lot of a lot of the people that owe the money, the people that are in violation, they take advantage of that. They say they think to themselves, okay, I owe her fifty thousand dollars, but it's gonna cost her a hundred thousand to get a lawyer. So why should I pay the fifty? She's never gonna pay the hundred. It's right. it's it, you're right, it's terrible. And there's not much you can do about it. Um, but it did occur to me to answer your prior question. You had that about something something that people don't always know. I, I actually, something else occurred to me. Um, there are no winners. And there's nobody's going to raise your hand at the end. You, nobody's going to get that feeling of I was right and you were wrong. It's never going to happen. And I think people are driven often in these kind of conflicts with this, like, can't, if they only knew what she did to me or what he did to me, right. you would see, and then I would feel validated. It never happens. The process nope. doesn't work like that. It's, it's an accounting on money and how the children spend their time. That's it. I mean, I, I tried to, I didn't know that at the time because I, I was just, I felt so wronged. I wanted to be right. I wanted someone to tell me I was right. And yeah. they're like, he's a horrible person. You're getting yeah. everything, but that, because you want that validation. But I yeah. learned very quickly that they yeah. don't care. They're just here to divide and say, this is yours and this is yours. And here's the custody situation. Like, that's it. Like you guys are referees. You're not, you're not here to say, oh my God, you were so wrong. You get it all. Like there, you're right. There's no winners. And even if you were wronged, you still walk away with what you're going to walk away with either way. Yeah. 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 So I, I, so you're right. And, and it's just, and people want to be heard and seen and want to be validated. It does happen in little small snippets. So I'll tell you a very quick story. So I represented a woman who, um, 
owns a home in, still owns a home in Nantucket in, in Cape Cod. And it was her home prior to the marriage and, and she owned it during the marriage. It wasn't her husband's. And she was there with their, with their young daughter. And um, the husband did some bad things and, and he wanted to go and stay at that home to visit the daughter. And my client said, look, I don't want you in this house, but I want you to see our daughter. So go rent a place, your own place in Nantucket and spend time with our daughter. But I don't want you coming to this home. So uh, he went to court and he said, look, they use this home during the marriage. He has a right to be in this home during this divorce process. And technically he's not wrong. Okay. The judge, Judge Laura Drager, actually a very famous judge in New York, she recently retired, said he's not coming into that home. Forget Good. it. Um, and because he did some things that were not. Yeah. She, she said, forget it. But I do want to state on the record, I want to commend the mother for facilitating parenting time between the child and her father. I know that the mother's very upset by the father's conduct, and I don't blame her, but I commend her for going above and beyond, despite her pain and her hurt, to facilitate this parenting time. And of course, my client, of course, felt validated and was crying. And then I started to get teary, which is oh. really embarrassing. <laughs> In a courtroom, yeah, nice. lawyers and police. Lawyers don't have hearts, so. uh, I, I started to get teary. The judge is looking at me like, oh, my God, are, we, are you seriously like, is this happening right now? But, you know, we, we start to bond with our clients and it was a, a really emotional moment. So, you know, once in a while it does happen, but your experience is much more common where you're just, you know, I don't want to say like cattle because that's not the case, but you're, you're kind of in and out. Yeah. Um, so. so I don't know if you, I, I have a, she's a friendly acquaintance. She's on uh, Real Housewives of uh, New York. Her name's Bethany Frankel. I'm sure you've heard of her. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I've seen her in court actually years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, she was in front of Judge Kaplan. Great judge. Okay. Well, yeah. like she's been trying to get a divorce for a long, many years yeah. now. And yeah. how, like, how is it possible that if one person wants, like, how, how long can divorces drag out? Yeah. Yeah. So, and particularly with COVID. So the, yeah. um, I, I remember seeing her in court some time ago. Um, so I am a little surprised because they've been, they've been litigating for a long time. Years. Um, yeah. Um, look, I mean, the, the, there's one judge to two, 300 cases. And so, it's just impossible. This is New York City, Matt. I'm just talking about Manhattan. And I believe she was in front of Judge Deborah Kaplan, who I know very well, who's an amazing judge. Um, and I know Judge Kaplan would want to do the right thing for that family. Um, the the I, I think it's just a matter of um, issues keep popping up. Like the parties are just not able to resolve things. And so the courts and the lawyers need to constantly get involved. It's just got to be a very high conflict situation. And that just drags it out. If you add COVID, where right, right. that's just slowing everything down. I mean, now I had a lawsuit that happened right when COVID started and the courts shut down. So it definitely yeah. like, we were supposed to be done a long time. I mean, it's done now, but it took yeah. an extra six months. 
you know, yeah. and it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so divorce court is happening, but it's remote and it's slower. And there's there's a lot of more, there's a lot of filings because, you know, people are, you know, killing each other during COVID. You're going to be uh, busy, right? You're going to yeah. be, I feel like either people are, I feel like people are going to be having babies at the same time as they're getting divorces. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they're going to be like, I, I'm Particularly, done. I feel like you're going to be very busy. Listen, we weren't meant to live together 24 seven. I mean, we're particularly, particularly on the back end. You know, I think right now, you know, the virus is, is raging right now, but particularly people don't want to really, many people don't want to make a move, you know, they're scared just for yeah. health reasons. But yeah, I mean, we're busy. The courts are very busy for sure. You know, and it's, I um, feel like it's going to get worse. Like half of my married friends are like, you're so lucky you're single right now. I'm like, I'm lonely. They're like, no, <laughs> you're lucky. I'm I like, mean, oh. it's, it's hard to meet people. And you know, if you're single, it's hard to, it's hard to meet people during this time. Although I do know, I have some clients actually who have met, you know, they do like some sort of virtual dating or something and they've met people. So it's, it is happening. But I mean, um, I, like I toy around with like, I have like a boyfriend of the week online and then I just, I ghost him and I block him. But I mean, cause it's not like I'm going to actually meet up with him and swap spit because that's COVID. I'm not doing that right now. Well, you know, I, I think what pe people do it really slowly, you know, yeah. they, they just, they'll meet at a distance if they like each other slowly, slowly, you know, <laughs> um, you have to feel safe. You may, if you know people in common, they quarantine for a little bit, you know, um, yeah. it is happening. I do know some people that have met people. So, you know, I don't know. So yeah, everybody I mean, has their own comfort level. I'm just, I'm a, all my friends make fun of me, but I'm like, I go out with gloves and I'm like the bubble girl. Like I'm, I, I like cover my ears, my eyes, my nose. I'm deathly afraid. And I mean, and it, it, people yeah. like my neighbors are having people over and I'm just going, what? There's one, LA is really bad right now. All of our yeah. ICUs are full. There's one in five people have COVID. Like 400 people died yesterday from COVID alone in, in Los Angeles County. And I don't understand why people are not taking this seriously and making fun of me because I do. Yeah, I don't know what's going on in, in LA, honestly. It's, it sounds terrible. It's, it sounds it, terrible. It's horrible. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, I think it's a, even a different strain than it is here in New York because the, the, um, uh, I, I don't think the hospitals are filled to the same level that you guys are there. So I, I don't know if it, if it seems to be less virulent here. Um, it certainly was very, in the beginning, very bad in the beginning. Bad in the beginning. Yeah. No, I have a lot of friends that live in New York. I used to live there. Um, but I think New Yorkers are taking it more seriously. Like I go out here and restaurants are open they're not supposed to be people are out they're not wearing masks they're just being super irresponsible is the problem la is like i i've i've literally said i'm not your friend anymore if you're like refusing to wear yeah, masks. Yeah. i'm well, like it's just not fair yeah i'm with but, you you know it's i don't understand the you know i don't want to live in fear mentality because it's really not about people's fears it's about stopping chains of infection so that the virus stops spreading. It doesn't, it's not about one person's fear or not. And I just don't understand that mentality. Like we, we need to stop the infection chain. So we need to social distance and take care. I just, 
That, I want to see my kids get married one day and have grandkids. Like I want that. And like, and I yeah. just feel like people are so irresponsible where I live that I, I really am unfriending people. And, um, yesterday, obviously we saw, um, the, the white house or like the whole thing that happened in Washington, DC. And I just pray that all of those idiots get COVID. <laughs> I mean, that was terrible. Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, that was terrible. It was really a dark moment for our country. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I, I happened personally to, to, to like uh, President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris. Just, I, I just think they're fine people. Um, and speaking of divorces, you know, certainly Trump has his, uh, has his experiences. <laughs> Um, cause he had a knockout drag out fight with Ivanka, uh, with Ivana Trump rather. Um, and then, uh, his second wife and now his third wife. So, you know, he's, he's been through the ringer with the divorces. That's for sure. Well, he deserves it. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Even my friends that are Trump supporters are like, he's an idiot now. Like I, I was not Trump supporters they're Republicans. They don't necessarily support Trump. They just happen to be rich and they, they yeah. wanted the tax breaks. Yeah. Um, yeah. But now there's yesterday they're like this, this fucking idiot. Like what? Like he's, we don't need to talk about it anymore. Just tell, yeah. tell me about all your books. Cause I know that uh, my son and I were looking at one the this morning, what it was called. The one percent divorce. That's yeah. it. What is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, the, these issues with the super rich are are kind of fun. You know, the 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 divorce formula is kind of the same for everybody. It really doesn't, particularly with the children, but with assets, it doesn't matter how much you have or don't have, except when you're wealthy. You it's just more asset categories to value. And so that can become interesting. You know, if, if I have a client who's a gallerist and owns 600 pieces of art, you gotta, you gotta value her business, value her art, people, different valuations, different valuations, methodologies. So that becomes. Yeah, well, that stuff is interesting, you know, yeah. so, you know, we put it in a book, just the experiences of these kind of high net worth divorces. But I also talk about custody and orders of protection and, you know, other issues that that people go through on a regular basis. I mean, we represent everybody, not just right. The no, no, no. We represent, you know, we, we do pro bono work for women who are victims of domestic violence. I mean, we do, you know, we try to help people. Oh, that's, that's, that's nice. I mean, because you know, I, I do have friends that are lawyers, so I know there are good lawyers. I and my last lawyer, I loved him. Like, I still, like, he's my friend to this day, and we don't really have anything in common. We just, we just got along, and I like his wife, yeah. and I just check on them. Yeah. But for the most part, I think people have a really negative, um, what is it? A negative. They don't. People don't love lawyers when they hear the yeah. word lawyer. It's like, oh, I hate lawyers. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and I totally understand that. I mean, who wants to pay a divorce lawyer, really? Like, is that really where people want to spend their money on people like me? I mean, nothing personal against me, but no, it's, no. My, yeah. it's my profession. Like, who wants to spend your life savings on something like this? It's not why you saved your money to spend it on that, you know? So I understand that. And I think that's legitimate. And you know, I tell people, people ask me, how much is this divorce kind of going to cost? And I tell them it's really up to you and your spouse. Yeah. 
Now, keep it low conflict, it'll be inexpensive. If it's high conflict, I got to be involved more. And so it's up to you guys. The problem is, is that it, it, it only takes one to make it high conflict. And yeah. so oftentimes, one of the spouses can be really reasonable and fair and just kind of be like, let's just be fair to each other. And then the other one can be off the grid, high conflict. And that that's a problem. Well, because uh, emotions are involved. I, like yeah. if it was just like a business situation and there's no mo- emotions involved, yeah. I think that's where yeah. it gets hard and it gets expensive and it gets yeah. combative and then yeah. you want to punish. <laughs> you know, you want to punish the other person. Like you're so mad. But, yeah. Well, yeah. I heard that you're doing Kristen Cavallari's divorce. No, no, no. I was, oh. I was just speaking about it. Yeah, people were asking me about about her and and Jay, the you know her her ex. I mean, they they did things pretty amicably. Um, and you know what was interesting about that one was that um, I think he got a lot of parenting time, despite the fact that they had young kids. Um, yeah, I thought that was that was a little unusual. Um, he wanted 50-50 parenting time, and I think one of the issues in their marriage was kind of the way he treated her, um, or according to her, mistreated her. And so, but she was okay, 50-50 parenting time, but she's somebody who may be very, very focused on her career, and, and you know, he's retired from football, and so may be okay, you know? Um, I, I will say, before I let you go, um, I want to say that something good about divorce I, um, is that I think, well, I know my ex-husband became a better dad because he was forced, he wanted 50-50 custody and then you're forced to spend that, well, you're not forced. Yeah. Right? So that was my one positive takeaway. He's so much more involved, you know, um, he's become a great dad during, during, because we got a divorce and he only has them half the time. So Amen. yeah, I mean, that, like that's my, that's the silver lining for me. Um, the, the the men are forced to do it, yes. you know, it, it's, and, and they have to learn on the kids back because there's a big learning curve. And yeah. in the beginning, however long it takes, everybody's different. But in the beginning, we screw it up all the time. Um, so, but I'm glad to hear that he seems to have gotten it right over the years Yes, and is is there for your boys. And that's, that's the most you can ask for. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I hope thank a lot you, of people Brandy. learned a lot of things because I, I think that you're going to be very busy very soon. Thank you so much for having me, Brandy. All right. Have Take a care. great day. You All too. Right. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Brandy Glanville Unfiltered. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe. And be sure to leave us a rating and review. And while you're at it, check out some of the other great shows available on Straw Hut Media. Okay, I'm going back to watching the Viking because I didn't go to the beach. Okay, well, I'm sorry. Hopefully your day gets better. I'll talk well, to you later. It's your fault. Goodbye. Drive Great. safe. <laughs> Bye. Bye.